My sermon title for today is Breaking Out of Our Spiritual Safe Place. I want to make it clear right up front that I am not referring to our response to the coronavirus. I am a huge believer in staying as safe as we can, especially right now due to the surge in the cases across the country. So we ask you to protect yourselves from this virus in any way you can and to stay safe. A safe place. Just what is a safe place? John W. Worcester, a Presbyterian minister and an author, described it in this way. At work or play, home or school or church or wherever, we learn the specific languages and peculiar vocabularies. We learn what is effective, authoritative, cool, popular, funny, acceptable. We learn what to say, and we learn what not to say. As we master the codes for proper behavior in these different contexts, we file this information alongside our passwords and our PIN numbers and create for ourselves a short sort of security blanket a safe zone in which we live and move and have our being. It is a zone in which all is pretty predictable, pretty comfortable, and pretty enjoyable. Safe places are frequently described by not being in them. Abraham Maslow said, At any given moment, we have two options, a step forward into growth, or a step back into safety. C.S. Lewis stated, you have to let go in order to move forward. I think we all know that the neighborhood church is a very safe place. Every Sunday, 52 weeks a year, you can come here virtually or soon when it is deemed safe to do so. You can come in person But either way, you can come and find the peace and the holy nature of this sanctuary that you, Melanie, and I are now in right now. On most Sundays, you can hear the beautiful music of this huge organ. You can speak through prayer to God, who seems to be present here. You will hopefully learn something from the sermons that are given that will deepen your faith and that you can take with you for at least the next week. That is quite a safe place. But what do, we do, what do we do when something comes into our safe place that we're not prepared for? What do we do when something dislodges us from our safe place? What do we do when we are addressed in such a way that we don't immediately and confidently know the answer. Something so unusual, unpredictable, or unfamiliar that we don't have a handy response. In other words, what do we do when Jesus Christ calls us out of our safe place to go beyond the limits of our faith? His call will most likely come to us in unexpected ways, cast in tones that are disruptive 
and disturbing to our carefully crafted words. Christ's call is not going to fit easily into what we already are doing. It's not going to slide neatly into the patterns of codes that we have already learned. God has issued those calls before. One of the more famous people to receive that call was Moses. God told Moses that he was the chosen one to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Now, Moses didn't want any part of that job. He had a comfortable life herding sheep, and he did not want to step out of his safe place. So he gave many excuses to God, such as, Who am I to do such a thing? Followed by, So I suppose they're not going to believe the crazy story that I spoke directly to God, whose name, by the way, is I am who I am. Then he said he could not speak very well and to please, please send someone else. The excuses went on and on. But we all know, eventually, Moses answered God's call and helped lead his people out of Egypt. He stepped out of his safe place in faith. I believe that Jesus Christ called me in the late 90s. At that time, I was a successful litigator handling cases all over the country. But I began to believe that I was part of the problem and not part of the solution. So I did a 180-degree turn, and I decided to resolve cases by mediation and not trial. I was a peacemaker. The other thing was that I felt called to do more than to come to church every Sunday and to participate in boards and committees and to lead a Bible study class. And that is when I became a licensed minister for the neighborhood church. I firmly believe that both of those calls came from God to take me out of my safe place, and I don't regret anything that I've done since then. What will the call of Jesus to follow him involve? We would like to have something easy and simple to do. That is probably not going to happen sitting by the bed of a dying individual to give comfort and to let them know of your presence and the presence of God, to repeatedly call or if it can be done safely to visit someone who is ill or who has lost a loved one, regularly write notes, cards, or letters to those who are lonely and self-isolating to let them know that they are not alone, or telling our friends or co-workers that what they want me to do violates the basics of my Christian beliefs and therefore I simply won't do it. The call of Jesus Christ may ask you to speak truth to power, to speak for and take action for the poor, the homeless, the marginalized, the victims of discrimination, and those that have been abused by power. Those words and action may bring us to criticism, isolation, and the loss of relationships with those close to us. What holds us back 
from responding to the call of Jesus. Many times, similarly to my own experience, it is with fear. I am afraid of what my friends might think or say. I am afraid of failure or not meeting others' expectations. I'm afraid it might be different or more difficult than I expected. But we are told to feel the fear and do it anyway. We also have advice from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 10.13. He said, No testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. God is faithful and he will not let you be tested beyond your strength. But with the testing, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. Another way we may respond to the call of Jesus Christ is to follow him is with resistance. How will I have time to do that? My calendar is already full. I have far too many patients, clients, customers, employees, students, or those who rely on me to answer that call. I, will, I serve on this board of directors or that advisory group, and my contributions are far too important to follow Jesus on the call he has just made. In response to those signs of resistance, once again, the Apostle Paul who, by the way, had a huge step out of his safe place, replies at Romans 12:2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And finally, we may respond to the call of Jesus Christ by feeling We don't have the skills or the ability to respond. We can see that type of response in the way Moses responded to the call of God. I found this wonderful quote from a Methodist minister and author Richard Thrakill that deals with this issue. It's similar to what Melanie had to say earlier. Look at your own hands. Stretch them out in front of your eyes and take a good look. Go ahead, look at your hands. Those hands, your hands, were made to do the good work of God in this conflicted world. They are to be the instruments of Jesus Christ and the channels for the energies of the Holy Spirit. At the ends of your left and right arms are a pair of mirror images to lift up in worship and to offer in service to others and to touch them with love. So what stories do our hands tell? Have they pointed the ugly finger of discrimination? Have they been balled up in fists of anger and rage? Have they turned the pages of the Bible this week? Have your hands been open in gestures of generosity or tight-fisted in gestures of greed? If you wish... Substitute the word hands with the word eyes, tongue, or brain. They are God's hands, eyes, tongue, or brain to be used in responding to the call of Jesus Christ. We all have been blessed with various physical abilities. Therefore, any alleged lack of ability is not an excuse 
to answer that call. There's an important thing to note about the call of Jesus. He says, follow me. He does not say, you lead and I'll follow. It is the path he takes that we are to follow. It is the hill he climbs that we are also to climb. It is the mud that he walks through that we are also to walk through. But the most important thing about the call is he will be with us. What Jesus Christ wishes us to do will not be easy, and he never said that it would be easy. But he will be there right along with us during every difficulty we encounter, during every trial we endure, and during every persecution that may come our way. And his presence, through it all, will give us the strength to make sure his call to follow him is fully and completely carried out. And here is the irony of leaving our safe place of faith to answer the call of Jesus. We may think we are leaving a place of safety, but we are entering into a much greater place of safety in our journey with Jesus as our guide. Remember the words from our scriptural passage for today, read by Melanie. God is our refuge and our strength, our very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam through the mountains tremble with its tumult. But I will be still and know that I am God. I am exalted, and among the nations I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Now that is quite a safe place. Finally, I want to make something very clear. I have been speaking as if Jesus has yet to make his call to us. He has yet to say, follow me to any of us. I really doubt that is true. Because we have all raised the defenses I have mentioned when we have heard the call. And even if it was true, it is true no longer. Please, hear very clearly, Jesus Christ is killing each of us right here, right now, to follow me. Follow me out of your safe place to expand your faith and to walk in the safest place you can be on the path I have chosen for you. And I will be with you now, today, and forevermore. Amen.